would say the pro for midterm rentals is that you don't have to touch the property as often as you do with short-term rentals. Whether they're luxury or not, you are still at that property multiple times a week, cleaning, checking things, inspecting, dealing with guests, check in, check out. Like it's constant, right? Mm -hmm. But with midterm rentals, my average guests stay about three months and some stay six months. So they may extend their contracts or they come in starting out with six months. So therefore, I don't have to touch the property hardly as often. Normally, I spend the most time setting up the property. And then the next time I usually go is when someone checks out and I go over just to check everything and make sure if there's anything missing. It's just a checkout checklist, basically, and make sure the cleaners did a good job and restock some supplies. Welcome to the Cedar and Porch Real Estate Investment Podcast. I'm the host, Shona Lepis. Follow along as we unpack and demystify real estate investment strategies through expert interviews and personal experience. From how to find off-market deals to creative financing to long-term and mid-term rentals. Our goal is to educate and inspire others to gain financial freedom and generational wealth through real estate investing. This podcast was brought to you by the Midterm Rental Playbook course. The Midterm Rental Essential Method teaches real estate investors how to set up and fully book your first midterm rental with great guests so you can have to 2x your cash flow. We cover the basics from planning and how to set up your first midterm rental, how to self-manage and get direct bookings and keep more profit, and how to launch your first midterm rental. Learn more and sign up at the midtermrentalplaybook.com. Welcome everyone. Today we have a fabulous guest, Miss Kelly Michelle. She's a real estate mogul and midterm rental expert. She speaks and coaches on how to create consistent cash flow by building a profitable midterm rental business. Her love of real estate started in 2004 when she began house hacking, investing in her first two-family building. Over the years, Kelly's continued to build a profitable portfolio of properties and experiences ranging in luxury short-term rentals to corporate rentals to long-term rental properties. She's come to recognize that many people see the wealth opportunity within the midterm rental market but have no idea how to get started. She uses her skills as an international educator and her passion for real estate to give people the tools they need to build their own midterm rental business. So Kelly, so excited to have you. I gave you a little intro there. I'd love to hear more just how you, your journey and your, your kind of midterm niche. Thanks for coming. Okay. <laughs> yes. Again, thank you for inviting me. So I basically started out really a long time ago. Like you just said, started out house hacking with long-term rentals, right? Then Fast forward years later, I moved to Arizona and that's where I started doing luxury short-term rentals. I was there for a while and then I decided to move back to my hometown of St. Louis, Missouri because I wanted to be closer to friends and family and it was really the perfect timing. So I shut everything down in Arizona because I'm not a person that likes to manage anything long distance. That's just my preference. It can be a lot of headaches. So... (laughs) So I decided to just shut it down. And when I moved back to St. Louis, I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Because this is not the luxury short-term rental market, right? (laughs) This is not it. So what am I going to do? And then my mom, she presented it to me. She's like, why don't you provide housing to traveling nurses? Because we have several traveling nurses in my family. And I'm like, you know what? That's a good idea. I I could definitely do that. And so then I just jumped in and I went out, I found a property and it was in my price range. And so I went ahead and bought it (laughs) and I just got started. I mean, it it came naturally, not to say I didn't have some learning curves, but with my experience with the long-term rentals and short-term rentals, it was pretty easy for me to get into it and just manage it and, and figure it all out. So that's how I got started. And now I am here with multiple (laughs) midterm rentals and I still have long-term rentals. And at this point, I'm like, let me pause because (laughs) I've grown pretty quickly. So let me pause and chill out, take a break and enjoy some profits. (laughs) Right. Sometimes as entrepreneurs, it's hard just to stop and be like, okay, the the bar is always moving in our goals. And it's it's hard to do that, right? I get excited. I get excited about new properties. I'm like, oh, there's another one. I can do it. Oh, no, I, ha- I have to stop myself and my friends and family are now like, no, you said 
<laughs> no, you're right. It's like there's always a shiny object though, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have a similar background. I've been doing this a long time, been a landlord, had a couple short terms. So I, and I feel like my experience, it was a really easy transition from, so anyone out there, if it's like, Hey, I'm interested in midterm, if you have any experience, it is, it's, it's re just really, you build on that experience. Right. Which right. is why I love this. So I, I have all my reasons why I love midterms, but you have the short-term luxury. And I think that's like the sexy thing, right? Like super cash flow. It's a lot of work though. So I'd love to hear your kind of like pros and cons of you have the mid midterm versus luxury STRs and knowing your market. I think that's really interesting how you transitioned. Okay. So the pros and cons between like <laughs> short-term rentals and the long, or excuse me, midterm rentals. Mm -hmm. I would say the pro for midterm rentals is that you don't have to touch the property as often as you do with short-term rentals, whether they're luxury or not, you are still at that property multiple times a week cleaning, checking things, inspecting, dealing with guests, check in, check out. Like it's constant, right? Mm -hmm. But with midterm rentals, my average guests stay about three months and some stay six months. So they may extend their contracts or they come in starting out with six months. So therefore I don't have to touch the property hardly as often. Normally I spend the most time setting up the property and then the next time I usually go is when someone checks out and I go over just to check everything and make sure if there's anything missing, it's just a checkout checklist basically, and make sure the cleaners did a good job and restock some supplies. And that's usually it. Every now and then a guest may call me and say something's going on, but it's usually minor. No. Yeah. Usually. Every now and then, like the hot water heater, right. <laughs> you before. that that is rare. Things happen. Even if you own your own house, things just happen out of the blue. So it's just, those are things you just have to just be prepared for. So that's just one. You don't touch the property as often. The other benefit for midterm rentals would be is just less wear and tear on the property. Constantly have people running in and out. So therefore, things are taken care of better, less things are broken and things like that. You also have a better, and I don't want to shade anyone who goes or rents a, a short-term rental because I still rent short-term rentals. <laughs> I love them too. But I'm just, yeah, but you tend to have better guests, quality of guests. Now, and when I say that, it's just because these guests are professional guests. So they're here for a purpose. They're here to work get the job done, come home, relax, get some sleep, eat, and that's all they're worried about. They're not worried about partying or inviting people over or sightseeing. They're not worried about that. So most of the time when they do have time off, they're leaving to go back home to visit their family. So I love it. <laughs> I don't have to spend hardly as much time. And I have more properties as midterm rentals as I, than I did when I had short-term rentals. You can scale, I feel like a little easier, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like to your point, like there's, it's less handholding and they're not expecting this Uber vacation experience or self-sufficient. They check in and I don't hear from them for months, right? Unless there's a yeah. problem, of course, but it's yeah. very different expectations. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I, I love that part as well. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, obviously as investors, cash flow is king when there's STRs are profitable, but more work. So how have you looked at cash flow differences or percentage? I'm just curious. Well, I haven't really looked at the percentage. Um, I just always tell people that midterm rentals, are, they're just that happy medium, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to get more than you would get for a long-term rental, but less than a short-term rental, just because you don't have as many com people coming through mm -hmm. and you don't charge as high of a rate as you would with the short-term rental, right? It's hard to really put a percentage on it because every market is different. You don't really know. And midterm rental, the the term is relatively new, but it's always been corporate rentals. There, there have been out there for who knows how long, but nobody was really tapping into it except for maybe more major companies or larger companies, not small operators like us. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that would be it if you had to take a look at both of them or the pricing strategy. That's how I explain it to people. 
I, the happy medium. I love that. Yeah. No, when I first stumbled onto this, I didn't really know midterm. What was a thing? I just COVID hit and everyone, we all pivoted and it was just right. this transition. And I'm like, Oh, I guess I'm doing midterms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No idea. <laughs> when I first got into it, I wasn't even calling it midterm rentals. I was just like corporate or I, and, or sometimes I was still calling it short-term rentals. No, they're just longer. <laughs> had no clue. And that's when this midterm rental term starts surfacing. And it's like, okay, that's the perfect term for it. Okay. Other people are using this. So that's it. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. It's funny. I just, like you start catching on, you're like, oh, and it's, I feel it. I don't know if it's because I'm in it, but I feel like I'm seeing it everywhere. It's getting more popular. Oh, yeah. I, Definitely. I think, um, Definitely. And I think regulations are a big part of that with short term or kind of. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because I know I just read, I believe it's in Dallas. They are talking about banning short term rentals in, I think, single family neighborhoods. So they're only going to be restricted to certain types of neighborhoods. It hasn't passed yet, but they are definitely talking about moving in that direction. So that will be another group of people who have short-term rentals moving into midterm rentals because they don't want to shut down. And once you're set up that you've got it all furnished and set up, that transition is pretty relatively yeah. seamless, right? Yeah. Which Okay, right. so that that's a perfect segue into what the way I talk like furnishing a STR luxury versus a midterm I feel like it's a little more practical but I'm curious your approach right because it's different right it's subtle but um so I'd love to hear your thoughts <laughs> so I still like to put nice furniture in mm -hmm. my midterm rentals but like you said it's still practical so I am not putting a lot of accent pieces around, maybe just a little, but not a lot. It doesn't have to be super, super fancy, but mm -hmm. I like it to be more modern and comfortable enough for someone to come in and be like, I feel like I'm at home. It's not outdated. Everything is smart TV, still the same basic stuff that I would like. Basically, that's how I look at it if I would be okay staying here <laughs> with what I've provided that then that's it's good <laughs> that's a good meter I actually make a point of staying in them I'm like is yeah. this grade or missing what's what do I need <laughs> yep and I tell people that I coach I'm like stay at your property no matter if it's a short-term rental or mid-term rental you need to spend the night maybe two at mm -hmm. your property because you don't know how's the water pressure in the shower <laughs> totally. is something missing like you just said is something yeah. broken that you didn't pay attention to so yeah definitely mm -hmm. recommend that yeah I was talking to someone and they had a really good way also cook a meal right nothing fancy but where you know what tool is the greater like the can opener just those little things that are really annoying when you don't have right yeah yeah so, thought that, that was good awesome. a great good idea <laughs> so I'm like I'm gonna borrow that yeah I actually stayed at when we had a new one I stayed there and my daughter took a bath and the the water was going down real slow I'm like oh no mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's common. major sewer issue I had guests coming in two days it was a whole but if we hadn't stayed there it would have been so yeah and it's also a perk right you get to stay in between if you want exactly and I find just like you said the shower draining slowly it's always something clogged like right. hair <laughs> in, the, in the drains and you didn't know it or whatever yeah. And the yeah. other benefit is, is that you get to help other people in your family. I'm like, not only do you get to stay or your family or friends, if you need a place to stay just to relax, but when people are in need, I have had to help several family members and like friends of the family who's maybe their houses were affected by floods or fire. And we happen to have places open and we're like, okay, come over here. And that's just awesome when somebody's going through something like that, like a tragic or traumatic experience to be able to say, okay, you're good. Here's a place it's furnished, go there and stay. And then we'll work it out. That's awesome. That is so true. We've done that a couple of times during COVID. We had friends and they didn't want to move back home. And I'm like, Hey, it's empty. And it was, I, that's a really good point. It just felt like I could give back and it mm -hmm. you know, it was empty and I just, it's yeah. Like, how often do you have, like, hey, move into my furnished house? For exactly, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all, and yeah, it's it's funny when I think about it. I could, if I ever had to move, we'd have lots of places to land, right? <laughs> like, totally. And you know what? I tend to decorate my midterm rentals better than my own house. Right. So it's like, hey, I don't mind going to stay here. <laughs> yeah, I've I spent all this money on 
all of this stuff to make it look nice, then how can we enjoy it? Totally. <laughs> no, I've I've raided our house quite a few times. Oh, before. definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I barely have pictures left on my wall at my house because I'm like, oh no, this can go into this property. This can go into this property. Mm-mm. My daughter's <laughs> are you borrowed my pillow? She's like charging me rent now because I'm that cork is expensive it really does and it's this little thing no let me see what I have that I'm not even worried about is just sitting around collecting dust that can go (laughs) exactly no yeah I love that I mean also I I feel like we're of a like mind it sets the when you have a well-designed stylish property that has the modern amenities it sets it apart from some Mm -hmm. of the right I don't know what your take is on that Um, oh yeah I definitely agree I've seen pictures, especially when I first started out. Now, more people have gotten into it. So you see better properties or better looking properties. But when I first started out, I'm like, are you serious? You really, <laughs> you're putting this out there for somebody to see. This looks like furniture that my grandmother used to have. And why? Can, can you just go get another couch? Can you do something different? <laughs> Yeah. But like no, because, I said, it's much better. Yeah. And you can, I think you can be really scrappy, like consignment shops, or maybe you have something you're not using. You can do it in a way that's budget friendly. Exactly. You know, I, I think people don't think about that, but I just, it's my, when I see bad pictures, I'm just like, man, get a photographer. It's so worth it. Don't yes. skimp on that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see. Okay. So that kind of leads into my next question. I, I often people I think wonder what's the ideal property like beds bath I have my ideas I'd love to hear your take on who your avatar is like what size properties are ideal for the midterm space so I always tell people to do your market research and see what the demand is for your area that's like basically where we start don't even go look at anything until you figure out what the demand is And then that determines what size property you want. So if you're in a city or a location where you see that there's a demand for larger properties, that's what you go for. Here, my sweet spot, they're the the smaller, excuse me, smaller properties. Mm -hmm. So one, two bedrooms, that's it. I don't go beyond two bedrooms. The one bedrooms do really well, but that's just because here the market People are either traveling by themselves or with one other person. That's Mm -hmm. all they need. So that's how I approach it. And I never really give anybody any specific details because I'm like, no, we need to look at your market. Sorry. Can't just (laughs) tell you, oh yeah, go get a three bedroom. And then your house is sitting vacant and then you're crying because you're paying a mortgage or rent or whatever. And nobody's filling your property because it's too large for them. So yeah, definitely start there. No, I love that. And I also, I feel like the smaller ones, it's a way to maximize. You look at your long-term rent versus the midterm and you're going to get substantially more rent. So that's another benefit of if the market supports it, like one or two yes. bedrooms. Um, yes, definitely. Where are your kind of go-to places to research what the demand is when you're doing that research? Well, you know what? I go straight to Furnish Finder. I go there because realistically right now, that is just the major platform for midterm rentals. I know there are other platforms that are being developed and being tested. Other people are coming out with things, but it's still going to take some time before those sites catch on or before people really start going and booking. Furnish Finder is already established. People already know to go there to put houses out there and people know to go out there and find places, Right. So that is just the best way for me to take a look at the data. In addition, it's free to take a look at the data, not Furnish Finder in general, but (laughs) just to look at the statistics and see what's out there and look at the competition in the neighborhood, that's all free. So why not go use that source? Yeah, no, I love that. They have that stats page. And it's funny because I feel like with STRs, there's so many sites that do all this number crunching that midterms are so new. There's not like a goat go-to like data aggregate thing right mm-hmm. I don't know no I think I know mash finder is another or is it mash finder or mash visor I'm not sure the name of it I think I know what you're talking about yeah yeah <laughs> uh, I believe they include midterm rentals as well as short-term rentals but I like I've only heard of it I've never really used it I am particular I, I want something that only focuses on midterm rentals just because that's just what I do Mm -hmm. I don't want to compare anything else. I need to know what this is. (laughs) 
yeah, yeah the real sure. numbers accurate information just for this midterm rentals no i definitely think and that is the the place right i aggregate to like about a million i put i actually put a spreadsheet together i'm like these are all the places i like mm-hmm. shoot stuff out to but furnished finder hands down has been like the majority of the leads right it's out yeah. there yeah yeah i'm um, listed on a lot of different sites but have never been contacted so yeah, yeah. that's the other thing and i guess that may be where people just don't know about it or I'm not sure, but that's why I'm like, go where it works. Go where right. people are looking. <laughs> I've gotten the odd Craigslist response sometimes. I still, I'm like, how is this still a thing? But yeah, Furnish Finder is just, yeah, it's, it's seen, and you get, qual- you know, people are, they're traveling for work. They know mm-hmm. what to expect. So. Exactly. And they know the process in general. Yeah, totally. That actually is something that I think people vetting of people like I'm I approach it from a long term like you have to get screened I have formal leases which I think some people mm-hmm. don't do that I'd like to, if you could speak to your process for kind of onboarding a new guest or vetting them be curious so I am pretty much the same so when I started out I was doing background checks credit checks eviction checks for everybody and I still do a lease and collect IDs so I do all of that but recently I'm like the medical professionals have to have a background check anyway. Mm -hmm. So why am I putting them through another background check and doing all of those things? And even the credit check, because I can just look at their contract and talk to the recruiter. So I now give my guests the option. So if they are a medical professional, I am going to say, okay, you can go this route of, we can do the background credit check and eviction check and you pay for that. Or you could just send me over your contract, your ID, and the name of your recruiter and their contact information, and I could just verify that way. So I really let them make the choice because sometimes people may not feel comfortable providing their contracts. So they can choose, and that's the route I go. Now, anybody outside of medical professionals, I'm going to do the background credit check and eviction check. And again, I'm still doing leases for everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, some people do agreements, but I just say why (laughs) because you have month to month leases they are already out here created it's legal in your state so I'm just going to go with that yeah no actually I like that strategy because I've noticed a lot of times people get contracts and they're very last minute like we need to leave in two days and I'm like normally you're a processing it's a couple days to check landlord Mm -hmm. references but if you want to be quick about it I that strategy it just is more of if they're game for that so that's really helpful. and I haven't had any problems no I haven't had any issues with people not paying or messing the properties up everybody's been fine so yeah I'm gonna keep with it <laughs> I love that and I also think I when you say landlord everyone's like oh my god they're gonna destroy the house the toilet's gonna wake at two o'clock and the, no these people I have to clear they're not planning on staying forever they're very light kind of light impact so that's the other reason I like yes. terms, right yes all right. Awesome. Okay. And as far as I, I have my favorite tools, I'm curious what your favorite kind of management collecting rent kind of payment tools are that you're using. You um, know what? So for payment tools, I tend to stick with what people use and, and what is free. So I'm, I'm like Zill, Venmo. Those are my go-tos. If they want PayPal, we'll do PayPal. I prefer not to because they will take a fee if you don't mm-hmm. do it the right way. But I just go that route. Now, if it's someone who really wants to pay by credit card or something like that, then I do have a Stripe account. But most people, I haven't run into anybody really who has wanted to pay by a credit card. No, let me take that back. It was one person who wanted to pay their deposit by a credit card, but they just still went through Venmo and just set their credit card up and paid that yeah. way. So. Okay. That's super like easy, right? You don't yeah, have yeah, I mean, software. I, people already use these things so let's just make it easy yeah I love Venmo I pay my subs that way and it's just it's just I pay them right away and keeps them happy (laughs) yes and then you have transaction history you can download what's been going on so yeah it's easy (laughs) yeah (laughs) I like that I think when people are getting started the whole underwriting thing it's definitely you need to be I think conservative so I'm curious on your kind of underwriting approach when you're acquiring a property or getting into arbitrage or something so for rental 
any of them really. I do have like my basic minimum amount that I want to make as a profit, right? So when we talk about rental arbitrage, just because the numbers get a little bit trickier with rental arbitrage, I have to really look at how much the base rent is because rent has gone up um, mm -hmm. on long-term rentals, right? So it is, it is getting a little bit more challenging to make sure you make the numbers fit. But again, this is another thing where I try to keep it really simple. I'm like, okay, so I know I want to make this amount of money. So let's, we're going to use $500 per month, right? That's my base profit. I have to walk away with at least this for me to get into a property. And again, that, that number can be whatever you want it to be. I pretty much go in and I'm like, okay, so how much is the rent? And then utilities on a one or two bedroom, I already know on average how much that would be. So let's just say a one bedroom. Okay, I'm not going to spend more than $150 on utilities because usually they're all electric and it's just I'm paying electric internet and insurance. I know I have an idea of what the expenses are. So I just have my formula where I pretty much, okay, let's plug the numbers in. Do they work? Nope. Okay. Keep it moving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> keep it moving. And that's just it. Okay. I like, that. I think it's good to know what your criteria is. Otherwise you get the shiny object. You're like, oh, I could make it work. The rents will go up. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I have done that in the past. Realistically, I'm like, oh, but I really want this property. It looks so nice. But when you look out there and you see that midterm rental rates won't support what you have to charge in order to make your profit, then it's just not worth it. Because you're not going to be happy in the end. You're going to end up doing all of this work, spending all of this money, put in, putting it into a property, and you're not getting paid as much as you would like. So it's like, that's not fun. Yeah. Everything's going back into the business. And then you want to just stop. You're all excited. But if you have a bad experience, then you're like, what's, I'm just being working for free, right? Or not. It's, right. Yeah. Nobody um, gets into a business to work for free or not make any money. <laughs> it's not easy in this business, but you, yeah. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> so arbitrage, I've, I've never done it. I'd be curious if you're looking to get into this, it feels like an entry way to get into it without owning property. I love to like, how do you find the properties? Like, how do you sell it to prospective managers or whatnot? Like the pros and pros of arbitrage. Okay. Yeah. Um, so real, really, I just go out there just like you would be looking for a property for yourself to rent. So I'll go on Zillow.com, Realtor.com, those types of sites and just see what's out there. I actually run my numbers while I'm looking. So if I see a property and I look at the amount they're charging, I go ahead, run the numbers. If I see they work, then I will contact them and set up an appointment to go view the property. If the numbers don't work, we just keep it moving, keep looking for other properties. But once I make the appointment, go take a look at the property, make sure it's something I actually really want. Then that's when I will speak to the property manager or the owner about what I do and, and what my plans are for the property. So basically I approach it as a business, business to business. Hey, mm -hmm. I have a corporate rental business. I provide housing for traveling professionals. Majority of my the people who stay in my property are traveling medical professionals. Um, and basically they stay about three months. Some stay a little bit longer. Would you be okay with that? That's basically, I just lay it out. This is what I'm doing. This is why I, I'm here. Would you be okay with, we, with me renting the property for that purpose? Normally, I'll just get a few questions and I get a yes. I know a lot of times people have problems in that area, but it's all about how you present it. Mm -hmm. And also I target private landlords. I don't go to big apartment complexes. I Some apartment complexes will allow you to do it, but they have their own rules and red tape and things you have to go through. It's just easier when I'm looking, or working with a private landlord or a property manager who manages single family homes easier to get in. The person is making the decision right there. You don't have to have somebody go talk to corporate or have all these rules. Yeah. And yeah. I get a yes. And it is just, we move forward. It seems like a great business case. And, and the man, are there any like concerns that are frequent? Like what if, I don't know, like what are the most common kind of clarifying questions when you're presenting the business case for them? So 
let me think. So basically, they always kind of want to know like how many people will be staying in the property. I would, and I'm telling them usually it's one, two people. And if they, if it's more than two, it's really no more than three because maybe it's a couple with a child. But normally, people aren't traveling with children too much. It's usually just one other person. Um, then the other question they may ask is who's responsible, like for the bills, the utilities, rent, things like that. So then that's when I assure them that everything stays in my company's name. I am renting from you um, and I am subleasing, but everything gets paid through my company. We don't change utilities or anything like that throughout a person's or between stays or anything like that. Those are really the top two. Most people have medical professionals in their family. So they're aware of traveling nurses. So if you just mentioned traveling nurses, they're like, oh yeah, I have a cousin who does that. Does that. My <laughs> sister does that. So that automatically creates a connection. Mm -hmm. Even if you're hosting more than that, which I do, that yeah. creates that connection where they're like, oh, okay, these are good people. We, I don't mind those people standing in my property. These are people taking care of us in, in hospital. That's fine. I just don't want those partiers or people tearing up my house. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, I love that. It's a way to make it real, right? Like who's the person, the type of people or like typically, right? Actually, that made me think of a question. So when you're, if you like, and I love that you're doing your analyzing ahead of time. So you're, and you're just reaching out and you're doing your homework. You're not just like, Hey, like that looks cool. I have a kind of question when you're technically subleasing. So do you have your own contract that you're having signed or how do you navigate the paperwork on that? So I signed the lease with the landlord, just like any other. So it will be between me and them. Mm -hmm. And then I pretty much have a lease because let me stop there. In that lease between myself and the landlord, I have a clause that I make sure is in there that they give me permission to sublease. Okay. okay. Because that's important. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to provide proof that it's okay for you to sublease to maybe companies that you're working with or some type, some booking platforms might ask for it. Mm -hmm. So that is very important. And then I also make sure I add other things to protect myself into that lease between myself and the landlord, just in case anything happens. So for example, another one would be if the uh, city ordinances change and they don't allow me to do my business or run my business, then you will let me out this lease, no penalty, something like that. So that's how I approach it between myself and the landlord. Now for myself and the guest or tenant, I also create a lease still, and it's a month to month lease. Like I said earlier, I still do my due diligence, vet them. They're approved, send them the month-to-month -month lease. They pay the deposit, first month's rent, and we're good. And that's it. Okay. I like that. Those little tweaks are like, if you don't do those, that permission, that could really backfire. Oh, yeah, <laughs> really. definitely. definitely. Um, so I'm really curious. I I get asked about month-to-month, -month and I like knowing, like, hey, I've got someone for X amount of months. I'm happy to renew, but month-to-month -month feels like it's all calculated risk, but do, do they give you 30 days notice and you have time to fill it? Or I just have never done month to month. So I'm curious on your approach. So in my lease, I put, that's one of the requirements. They have to give me a 30 day notice okay. if they're leaving or, well, not really if they're leaving, if they're extending, mm -hmm. they need to give me a 30 day notice. If they're not extending, I already know their end date. So that's how I handle it. And the reason why I use month to month leases is just because of the flexibility of it. Mm -hmm. So if they want to extend, we don't have to do additional paperwork. Okay. So that's just how it works. Now, I really, I've only had people cancel early on me once. That, yeah, it's only been one time. Okay. Um, and that's just because there was an issue with his contract. Uh, his contract wasn't uh, accurate according to what they told him over the phone. And when it was time to sign it or whatever, then things were different. So I could understand that he really didn't want to cancel just because it was just an issue. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, normally everybody else fulfills the contract. And if they need to extend by maybe even a couple of days, it's just no big deal with the month to month contract. Okay. That makes sense. That kind of puts it in perspective. So I think one of my questions, maybe it's just, I've never done arbitrage. Like I feel I own the property and I'm spending a lot of money on furnishing because there's upfront costs like you get it back but it's definitely a chunk mm -hmm. do you just factor that in pay x amount for furnishing and you're going to have it for a year so it'll 
you're just it's like a cost of business kind of or how do you basically yeah yeah it's just that's just something you have to do whether you're doing rental arbitrage or not if you're going to do a furnished rental you're going to have to provide though that furniture and household items and that's just it okay yeah Yeah, I feel like it feels like an investment but I think if you have a lease then you're guaranteed it's uh, yeah it makes sense yeah. And then I tell people as well, you don't necessarily always have to buy your furniture. You there, you can rent if you want to. If you're just testing this out, rent. Now, it might not be the most cost effective way in the end, mm. but depending on the person, that might be the way to go. I've looked into it for me. It just wasn't worth it just because by the time I paid 12 months of rent on furniture, I might as well have bought it. So, yeah, so it just depends on what you want to do. No, I like that it's a back pocket thing, right? If you're in a bind or something. Yeah. yeah. No, that's really, yeah, no, I do. I kind of test the market. So I'll like digitally stage it and then I'll run out. And I feel like, I don't know what you think. If After a couple of times, you can furnish things pretty quickly on a budget, mm-hmm. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because you go to your same places. You go to the same furniture. At least I do. I go to the same yeah. furniture company. I go, hey, I know what to buy now. Boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. It's really daunting the first time you're like, and then by the fourth one, I was just like, oh, three, I can do this. I <laughs> Yes. And Amazon is my friend. Delivery. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then at the, when I'm there, I'm like target, like delivery, like for last minute yes. stuff. But yeah, it's not, I think you just think about what do you need when you're living in a house? Like you need towels, you need all the, it's yeah. It's not as daunting when you do it a couple of times. Um, let's see what else. Yeah. What do you, when, and also I think what people don't, you like budget for furnishings, do you have that kind of dialed in? If I've got a one bedroom, a two bedroom, and these are my go-to products, do you have that kind of dialed in at this point? I have a, yeah, I have a good idea now because I've done so many. Okay. For a one bedroom, I know I'm expecting to spend 4,000 to 4,500. Sometimes I can get away with a little bit less, but no, that's what I'm expecting. Two bedroom, I'm gonna just go ahead and go up to six, <laughs> six thousand. <laughs> but again, that could be a flexible, but I just put those numbers out there just so I'm like, okay, this is what to expect. If I spend less, great, but this is what I'm expecting. Yeah, because all the I think also those things add up, like you did the coffee maker and the scissors, yes. and just all the little things that you got. All have. of it, all of it <laughs> adds up. And like we were talking about earlier, the decor is like, it's so expensive. Right? Like, why? <laughs> why am I paying like uh, 200 bucks for just this little bitty rug or a picture or whatever? Mm-hmm. One, just one. What? But that's what makes the pictures look good. Like, you don't want to yes. see there's a balance but I really I'm I guess I love design and that's part of why I like midterms I like to furnish but I I just don't skimp on it I feel like it's so important to have a place that you'd want to actually stand what would you want a place right exactly Um, make it feel comfortable yeah so I mean I'm curious what your like favorite kind of I want amenities sounds like higher end but what are your favorite kind of go to what do you necessities when you're furnishing a place my favorite you mean like the favorite places I want to go to or just items that items I like items like property. smart tv smart lock okay I'm just curious yeah. those things that you know might not think about so my necessities um electronic locks but I'm gonna pause because <laughs> these electronic locks have been giving me a headache and it's just really the battery's going dead really quickly or they're going offline for no reason and it's out of the blue and it's like the most awkward or the worst time that it could happen and it keeps happening uh lock boxes so I also put a lock box at the property so that when something happens with that electronic lock then they can go to the lock box but then I have some issues where the lockbox code isn't working for some reason like I'll (laughs) set it and it's fine and I don't know what happens after a while but then I can't get into the lock box. <laughs> the water so, gets in there. It gets rusty. Yeah. Same. Yeah. So it's, it's, that is a challenge, but that is, it's a necessity. Mm-hmm. You can work that out on your own, but I feel like still smart locks are great just because I like the Bluetooth kind where you can change mm-hmm. the codes from your phone on the app. You can unlock and lock the door. So I like that. The other necessities would be, like you said, smart TVs. That's a necessity. 
I don't get cable for the most part, unless there's a requirement by maybe one of the companies I may work with, like a corporate company where they do require cable. But even still, it would be like a basic cable that you could just use by having the internet, right? Mm -hmm. So internet is just a necessity as well. You have to have internet. Let me think of another necessity. I wouldn't, washers and dryers are important. Now it just determines, of course, people want it in the unit. That's the best option. The next level would just be like in the building, but the best option is in the actual unit. People prefer that. I'm trying to think of any other necessities besides what we already know, of course, the beds, the good mat and the mattresses. The mattress. I'm not saying that the, you, you have to spend a <laughs> whole lot on a mattress, but you do need some decent mattresses. <laughs> I, I think you find the one like on Amazon that becomes your go-to and you just order it. You don't think about it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Mattresses and pillows. Those seem to yeah. be the things as well. Oh, and for, I'm going to, I was going to say for the medical professionals, blackout curtains, but I just think blackout curtains in the bedroom, it doesn't matter who it is. I think that's just always going to be a good perk or something you should have. And that's what I could think of besides um, coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I know a lot of people are. So I usually just get it like a Keurig. And that's pretty much it. But everything else I, be I believe is standard, but hey, I haven't looked at other people's properties either <laughs> to see what they're doing. Yeah. No, the only thing I would add is I have ring doorbells just for, okay. just, and I have some ring floodlights because some neighborhoods are just, it's urban. So I'm like, it's just an extra level of, of security when you get a package delivered or something. But then I'm always like adding guests and I'll forget to add them to the thing. <laughs> Um, and I do have a camera at some properties, but then the notifications go off all the time. <laughs> but yeah, for the most part, I, I've just stopped doing the camera thing and that's just it. And yeah. I just left the ones I already have out there. They're there. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. So I have to circle back to, I recently, yeah, I don't have cable. I usually... I provide like a couple like streaming services. I'm curious, do you include anything or do guests log into their own accounts or how do you manage that? So the only thing I get is Amazon Prime. Okay. So I either have an Amazon TV or Fire TV or I'll get the Fire Sticks or the Roku, depending on what I need, the options I need. And yeah, I just get the Amazon Prime and that's it. Everything else they can log into themselves. I just make sure that the apps are actually on the TV. So it's just easy for them to go to. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they just log into their own accounts. Yeah, I just, I was, I cut cable at one of my units. And I just got a Roku and I guess it has like a guest login feature, which was new to me. So I'm like, because I was going to get Apple and I'm like, oh, this is so much logging in and account management. You know, yes. Okay, that's, yeah, I have Amazon and Netflix and I just share it across a couple properties. So I'm like, and the rest you can log in. So <clears throat> also, yeah, I, I definitely feel like when I get feedback, washer, dryer, everyone wants parking. Are you pet friendly or where are you on the pet front as far as? So initially I started off, with, no, I don't want pets. And it was just because some people have allergies, including myself. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to have to worry about the next guest coming and then they have a reaction to the pet that was there previously, even though we cleaned, there's still dander or hair that may be still lingering around. I have opened up to allowing pets in my properties that do not have carpets. I do have it as an option in a few properties, just also because people, a lot of more people are traveling with their pets. Mm -hmm. And of course, when you need to fill a property, Pets, that goes out the window. Like, I need to get this property filled. I have right. bills to pay. Yeah. <laughs> you have a cat? Okay. Here, you have to pay this non-refundable pet deposit and you can come on in. <laughs> because it's business. Business is business. You have to pay the bills. So you, you have to be a little bit more flexible. Yeah, no, I agree. I, it's funny you mentioned carpet because the amount of money I've spent on carpet cleaning for every turnover, I could have just put hard put laminate down because I just it's just man that's I've spent a lot of money on carpet yep. cleaning I'm just like yes yeah and guests don't necessarily want to pay I kind of, it's a little tricky because I'm like it's your pet and it's expensive though for a carpet like a professional 
especially if you have to do a whole entire property, you don't know how many bedrooms it may be, but yeah, that can get expensive. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I'm like limited to properties without carpet and we're okay. (laughs) That's a good, I like that. Cause yeah, no, I feel like they're generally part of your family too. And people are very appreciative, but yeah, I just, I have to say like my last guest was really nice, but man, I picked up a lot of dog poop after that. And I'm like, I'm charging oh, for this. <laughs> yeah. like, this is not- but yeah, definitely need to put in like your rules. If you leave dog poop or not cleaning up after your pet, it's a fee. This yeah. is being deducted from your deposit. It's- but an it, issue yeah but I'm like really and it was yeah I just I texted a friend I'm like landlord life <laughs> exactly like it's your pet you clean up after your pet <laughs> it's, it's never happened this is the first time things happen you just take it with so do you have like a custom addendum that you're using or do you have something like for pets kind of the outlines all uh, not no I don't really have anything custom like I said it's just that I think it one clause I put in my lease is that if your guest or pet causes any damage to the property or whatever, you are responsible for it. That I mean, and it's just that simple. Um, just so I state it, make it very clear, you're going to be responsible. And again, I have that non-refundable pet deposit. So again, if I need that extra money, which I mean, it's going to go back into the property anyway. So yeah. I, so do you? I know we're in the, the weeds here. Do you charge a pet rent on top of that deposit or fee or no? Just the fee? No, I okay. don't. No, okay. I just okay. charge a regular rent with a pet deposit. Okay. I just found out we're not allowed to charge a pet fee in the county that I'm in. So I'm like, oh, okay. yes. <laughs> yeah, all the regulations. I feel like they're constantly changing. And so, yeah. <laughs> that The importance of knowing the rules, that's. And that's another thing I tell people, like, make sure you go to your little township or whatever it may be and check the ordinances or check out the HOA rules, all of that stuff, because you need to know it or you could be shut down. And you exactly. Don't want yeah, it's so important. Like, it's yeah, know what you're getting into. So I do, are you self-managing or do you have a team or I haven't talked to you about I am self-managing. I have, of course, my cleaner. But yeah, I'm self-managing. A lot of the properties that I rental arbitrage have a property manager. So that's been pretty easy because if there's something major that happens, I just let the property manager know or otherwise I can handle it myself. If it's something simple, light bulb filters in a furnace, things like that. And um, that's all I've really needed because no one has done damage to any of the properties or caused anything for me to have to repair myself. Yeah. Self-managing. But I am trying to, I am trying to figure out because I would like to relocate. Mm. And remember, I'm not that person who likes to manage properties from a distance. (laughs) So I am trying to figure out how I want to handle that part. I want to figure out if I want to maybe hire someone to come do certain tasks and not just pay them per task, or if I want to get a property management company involved. I'm not sure quite yet. I've, I've thought about that too. And I almost feel like the intensive part is a turnover. So you just have someone that kind of does, cause I'm really, I like, I need to go there, get eyes on it, put it back to just make sure yep. it's hotel ready. Like I, 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 mean, I have cleaners and, but I think they, they never, I love them, but I still need to fuss with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nobody treats your stuff like you will. I'm right. saying I'm going behind the cleaners. I found dish towels in the bathroom. <laughs> as hand towels. Like this is not a hand towel. <laughs> I know because it just sets the tone I just I don't know maybe I, I need to give up that control but I just really want to set the tone for the experience yeah that's interesting I, I feel like I've set systems up so I could bring someone on and then I, I know with management companies the fees are a lot higher with a midterm I think it varies but definitely yeah profit, it's so. going to be higher than it would be for a long-term rental but again, I'm trying to see if I can continue to manage everything online myself, I'm okay with that part. If I could just find someone to do the physical part. Mm-hmm. So even if it is a management company, if I can find one that will just handle that physical part, run into the property to do those little bitty things, then I will be okay. Yeah. No, keep me posted. Cause I, I'm like, because <laughs> sometimes I'm like, is this the best use of my time to be going over to 
three times to get the beds all fluffed up. Exactly. <laughs> or even just getting those little small items. Like I like to leave starter items for my guests. So like yes. the trash bags and the soaps and the dish detergent, and, you know, those little bitty things. Like right. I feel like that's just part of a good experience because people are coming in town. They're not trying to run to a store and go shopping for their needs immediately. Mm -hmm. So if I can give them some time to get settled in at least a week or two, and then they can go do those things, then I think that's the best option because I, I would want the same thing for myself. You're coming in to go to work. And some a lot of times, really, people are coming the day before they start work. So, so yeah. they're just trying to get in town, get their stuff settled in the property and relax before they have yeah. to go to work. No, I totally agree. And I, I, yeah, it's three rule. I've got my list. I've got my toilet paper, a roll of paper towels, the soap, and they might use their own, but at least you're not like, oh, I don't have soap in the shower. You just, exactly. they oftentimes are traveling cross country in the car and they land there and it's, yeah, no, I, that's, yeah, I'm the same way. I'm always like, is the soap full enough? Is there enough? Do I need to exactly. buy a new one? So I'm curious. I also usually leave like sometimes a bottle of wine or chocolates along with my guests but do you do anything I know there's mixed feelings in the industry about that what's your take on that I don't leave any food or if I do leave something to drink it's just like maybe a sealed bottle of water okay um, maybe a couple bottles or something like that but no I don't leave any food at first I wasn't even getting like salt and pepper but I didn't really realize that was a big thing. Right. <laughs> so now I just at least now provide salt and pepper for people. But yeah, I, I just stay away from the food thing because I don't know about allergies and everybody has their preferences. I don't want to leave wine because somebody might've been an alcoholic, you know, yeah. or might be against their religion and they're offended. <laughs> you know, like people get offended very easily these days. Yeah. So let's just, I'll just stay out of it. <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah. No, the salt, I have hunted for like a pepper grinder. Like they disappear. I can't refill the damn thing. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. times I've been out looking for pepper. It's silly, but just... <laughs> Yes. And it's, it's always those small, crazy things. Like you don't think about that just come up missing. Hangers. Yeah. Like I'm like, I know I have hangers here and I go and, and check it out and I don't even think about it. Like I'll go and inspect the property and then I go back again, like to drop off something. I'm like, mm -hmm. there aren't any hangers here. <laughs> or the nice ones you left are gone and the, there's some crappy hangers and I want them to be organized by color and like tidy. I mean, I just, I'm amazed by some things like, where did this go? I think the last thing that was missing was a laundry basket. I'm like, didn't I have a laundry basket? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these, with, are, I mean these things are minor and it doesn't happen often, but it's just things like that. Like, oh gosh, now I gotta go get this. I gotta do that. So it, it makes it a little bit more challenging for me to be like, let me hand this off to someone else. Because another person is not going to know those details right. or won't pay attention to those little details. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's like a checklist or, but it's all in my head, right? I guess it's downloading that. Like, okay. Turnover, salt and pepper, check, olive oil, those little, but those little details are just, when you go to wash dishes, if there's not enough dish soap, you're like, oh, it's nine o'clock at night. I don't want to run in the store and get dish soap, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we're in it. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, I think it's so important because it's, like a hotel experience you want to be set get up really clean there can't be anything astray right right when someone checks in so. and it's the impression you want to give a good impression you don't want someone walking in like, oh my gosh what is this <laughs> no but then they're trying to leave or coming up with an excuse like oh why they can't stay and no yeah we want a good experience and we want people to return mm -hmm. You give that great experience. I have someone now in one of my properties who contacted me like, hey, I'm coming back. Is the property available? And he's back and he's actually staying for six months. So nice. it's perfect. Yeah. So it's customer service and that impression. All of those things make a difference. It really is. And then I have to remind myself if this was short term, it would be every three days. And I just have to like keep that. <laughs> do you ever do yeah. that? Okay. I'm like bitching about it in my head. I'm like, it's right. been six months. <laughs> Quit complaining. We yeah. haven't been here and who knows how long. <laughs> yeah. So I just have to like, I, you, yeah. The point <laughs> that you still have to do it is like, mm, I don't want to have to do this all the time, but yeah. Yeah. But it's just another reason why the midterm is that happy middle ground we talked about. Because yes. you're, you're 
I, I short term, even if you have a crew, I would still be over there fussing and they generally, something wasn't quite up to my standards or just because I'm mm-hmm. particular. Yeah. <laughs> so to wrap it up soon, just, I don't think we didn't touch on, sorry, you know, arbitraging versus owning your property, other mm-hmm. kind of major benefits, pros, cons, like just the difference between the two. I don't know if we really impact okay. that. Sorry, I just realized. <laughs> With owning a property, you are always going to make more money, right? Because the mortgage is going to be less than rent. So mm-hmm. when you guys think about it, whenever someone as a landlord rents a property, the purpose is to make money off of that property, right? So they're going to mark it up a couple hundred dollars, who knows how much, because they have a certain amount they want to make per month. But when you own the property, you're already starting at that base, right? So let's just say, for example, you have a property, I'm just throwing out some easy numbers. The mortgage is $1,000. When you look at the midterm rental market, you could charge $2,000. Your expenses on a house you own would be a little bit higher just because you're covering like the water, sewer, trash, electric, whatever. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have more utilities. But in the if you think about it, when you're renting, you're still really paying those things because they're including that in your rent. Mm-hmm. So you have, let's just say your utilities come out to $300. You still have that chunk of money, like $700 profit, right? Versus if you were renting, your rent would not be a thousand. It's automatically going to jump up to thirteen, fourteen hundred, if not more. And you still have to pay those expenses on top of it. So that's why I say you're going to make more money if you own a property. That is always to me the best way to do it. But if you can't own or buy a property, then go ahead and start with rental arbitrage. And then you start making that revenue because that's still money that you can count towards your business, right? When you're doing your taxes and you need to maybe qualify for a mortgage or whatnot or any type of loan, they're still going to look at your revenue and it's still revenue with rental arbitrage. So then Mm -hmm. you can get yourself into a position where you can go buy a property later if you're doing well with the rentals. No, I like that. Is it, is it, do people start there and then like they either like it or don't, or is it like usually they, that's, and they go to buying properties it just depends it really just depends on what a person really can do like for me I would prefer to buy a property of course just Mm -hmm. because I know the benefits Mm -hmm. Uh, but again some people are scared so they may just say let me test the waters out I may be able to buy a property but I just want to start out renting and doing rental arbitrage just to see if this business is going to work out for me or how I like it and if I do then I'll go buy a property some people just can't afford it. So they're like, okay, I'm going to just start with rental arbitrage and just go this route. So it just really depends on the person's situation. Okay. Good to know. Do you have a couple more minutes like to chat? Okay. This has been so fun. I just, I love talking midterms, <laughs> like nerding out on it. So I just, I, is there anything that we missed on midterms that we didn't cover like benefits or things that you tell people? I don't know. Um, I, there's always little tips I come up with. Of course, when you ask me, I'm like, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't think of anything. <laughs> okay. Um, I think the most important thing of this whole process is really the market research part. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get in the right way, then you're automatically setting yourself up for success. Um, don't get just too excited. Like we talked about earlier. Like, oh, I, I like this property. It's, it's perfect. It's in the right right location, yada, 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 but they're charging $2,000 a month and I'm trying to do rental arbitrage. That is setting yourself up for (laughs) failure. Unless you're able to charge $4,000 or something crazy Mm -hmm. and yeah, don't do it. So (laughs) that whole market research part, not just understanding what to charge, but you need to know like what, how much you can afford to pay, what's happening in the market with midterm rentals, just a lot of different things, the na- right neighborhoods to get into so that you don't get a property somewhere where you can't feel it because it's not in the right location. So I think, I, or I would say, if you're going to do anything, spend a lot of time on the market research. No, hundred percent. And I think it's this in this business is all, I like to call it calculated risk, right? It's, mm-hmm. You really have to know your numbers because if you don't, it's just a bad experience. You could be underwater. It could be an alligator thing. It's just, 
It's not an easy business. I love it, but you really have to know your numbers. You got to oh, get yes. in your spreadsheets. Yes. <laughs> Run your scenarios. Mm -hmm. On that note, do you underwrite, like, okay, worst case, I guess not for arbitrage, but for purchasing, hey, if I had to long-term run it, it has to work at that? Or you just assume if you do your research, it's going to be a midterm and it'll be good if you've done your research. Yeah. Basically, if I'm going to go buy a property and I already have a specific goal in mind, like this is what this property is for. I'm going to go look for a property just for this. And that now, of course, if something happens and midterm renting isn't working out, I already know that I can still long-term rent it it might not be as much money but i know i can still do that mm -hmm. so I, i'm okay either way okay cool thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge and all your experience a couple like wrap-up questions this is like <laughs> a broad one so you can take it however you want okay um, cool <laughs> what top business or life advice would you give someone to you know be in the business like we get into this right for freedom i think right ultimately mm -hmm. so yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> the main thing I would say is yes, we get into it for freedom and flexibility, but pace yourself. Don't scale too fast. Give the business time to show you what is it will do. And when I say that I'm looking, I'm like the first thing that pops to my head is maybe seasonality, depending on where you are, you might have a slow season. So you may want to have a property for a full year so you can see what happens throughout the year. Is it going to be slow in the winter? Do you need to drop prices? And if you do, then, okay, you need to make that up in the spring and summer. So pace yourself. Don't go too fast in jumping out and getting multiple properties back to back until you are clear on what's happening in the market and the changes and how you're going to manage those things. That would be the best advice I would give. I love that. And the seasonal thing, it's not, it, it, I'm dealing with that. I've got a couple of turnovers and there's definitely the prime times or spring, summer, winter is mm -hmm. what's, you got to massage your price a little bit. Oh yes, <laughs> definitely. I've had to decrease my prices in the winter on multiple properties. I've had to decrease prices and I'm not even making like my minimum profit that I would like to make. But then again, I'm like, but I'd rather make something <laughs> versus coming out of my pocket and paying for this stuff all together exactly. so if I have to lower it is what it is we'll raise it back up when we know there's more of a demand yeah no for sure awesome all right so what's your superpower and how do you like use that in your business or how does that help you I think my superpower is probably organization I'm very I can compartmentalize things very easily okay boom if I'm setting up four properties at one time I have to be organized I'm ordering stuff. I'm ordering for all four properties. I need to know what, what's going where, different decor, different. Yes, my superpower is being organized and really being able to put everything in its place. That is so true because you there's a lot of moving parts, especially onboarding a property for sure. Oh, yes. Love yes. <laughs> so I think we're all in this industry, any industry that we're always like, I love to learn. Is there like a podcast or a book that you love that you've read recently or just your go-to? I have not read anything <laughs> recently. I'm going to be honest about that. My thing, I really don't even look out there at midterm rental stuff. Even if it's like YouTube and things like that, I just don't go look at other people's stuff. Don't ask me why. I don't know if, it, yeah. if it's, I don't know. I just go with the flow. And as far as what I like to do, typically I'm going to go to YouTube and look at some video about travel. That's, that is what, <laughs> that's my thing. If somebody's showing me something about Panama or Mexico or whatever it may be in the world, I'm watching that. <laughs> I know that might not be the answer you're looking for because you're probably like, why aren't you looking at real estate stuff? And I'm like, I get burnt <laughs> out on real estate right. stuff. I got to deal with this every single day. When I have some downtime, I don't want to think about it, honestly. I just want to chill. <laughs> I think that's important. It's goes back to your why like why are we doing this because you can travel right you have that flexibility so no I it's we can't always we have to stop and pause and relax it's really important, exactly. important which is hard to and do sometimes. yeah and traveling is that's my passion really like I love it if it's an addiction it's that's my addiction 
So yeah, that's what I do in my downtime. I'm trying to learn things about different countries, cultures, whatever it may be. And I think you can't, you can make it work. Like you can travel and, and you get to some, some operational pieces, but that is the beauty of this kind of business. It, it's possible, right? You're just not stuck at a desk. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I just, I was in Bali in October. Yeah, October. And so, yeah, if you just have that person there here or wherever your property is that you can call in case of an emergency, that's all you need. That's all you need. I mean, my properties were already filled. So an emergency actually did come up and I just made a phone call. Can you take care of this? And it was handled. So, um, and then I also, I'm able to get calls internationally as well. So that helps as well. You yeah. definitely need to have, make sure you have yourself set up so that you can still communicate and do business and do what you need to do whenever you're away. But yeah, I think it's just, who's the person to call? Like, you're not going to go fix that hot water. You're going to call someone, even if you're in the, in town, you're not going to get my tool belt out. Exactly. I'm not, I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. no, I love that. Okay, last question. How can people like follow you, work with you? I know you have a course, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, okay. So I am on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and TikTok. You can find me at Miss Kelly Michelle, M-S-K-E-L-L-I-E-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. So that's my handle on all of those. So my YouTube channel, I am giving a lot of information about midterm rentals and providing what I can provide to you guys. Then I also have my self-study course. So that teaches people from beginning to end how to get into midterm rentals, get a property, get it set up and get somebody in it booked. Just it's really like for those people who are starting out, this is your good entry. This is giving you your foundation, get into the business and you grow from there. So I do that as well. And then I also do private coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching. That's usually for people who are already in the business and they need some assistance or they have specific questions and we just knock those answers out or give them the help they need, whatever that may be. Awesome. I'll include all that in the show notes. Thank you so much. Ms. Kelly was really, it was fun. This was a good conversation. I really enjoyed oh, it. Well, thank you. Thank you for <laughs> inviting me once again. I had a great time today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found it valuable. Please take a minute to hit the subscribe or follow button. It really helps other people find us and share it with a wider audience. We also appreciate five-star reviews. Also, please take a screenshot and tag us on your favorite social platform. We're at Cedar and Porch. The show was brought to you by the Midterm Rental Playbook Course, your blueprint to setting up a successful midterm rental. Learn more at the Midterm Rental Playbook.com link in the show notes.